Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. To everyday spirituality. So, Chris was helming last week and um, uh, I think looked at the whole uh, idea of when. We're moving into this season of complexity now. When we started this um, series, we talked about these different seasons we can find ourselves in, in our Christian walk. We talked about the season of simplicity uh, and we looked at the habits of here, oh and thanks. And then we moved into the season of complexity when things get a little bit more complicated, when things are a bit more nuanced. And now we're entering, well, essentially what is the most difficult season, the season of perplexity. And this is when we can lose our way, we can lose our bearings, things don't make sense, the things that we relied upon, maybe we lose sight of, maybe we begin to doubt God, doubt God's presence in our lives. And we're going to journey a little bit deeper into um, this season of perplexity with this whole idea of no. No, when things don't turn out as we think they should turn out in our lives. For me personally, whenever I find myself venturing into what I could call the forest of perplexity, I find it really helpful to have a place I can return to, a sort of safe space, a safe place I can return to. And many, many years ago, I decided this safe place for me, this this sort of campfire for me, was contained in the simple statement that God is love. God is love. So wherever I find myself in perplexing circumstances or situations, that is the place I always return to. That's the kind of campfire that I return to where I feel safe and I feel secure, regardless of what's going on around me, the stuff I can't make sense of, the stuff I can't understand, the stuff that I'm perplexed by, I can always return to the fire that God is love. The disciple John writes this in 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God is love. And that for me is the kind of the home fire that I can return to whenever life presents these perplexing, difficult conundrums and situations. So I want us to spend a bit of time reflecting on that before we venture into this next uh, habit, this habit of no. But I want to venture out into these dark woods of perplexity. And we all know what these woods feel like, don't we, in life? The darkness, the unknown, the uncertainty that we all experience in life. Whenever I want to venture out into those woods, I always know I can return to this campfire of God's love. I can always find my way back to that simple statement contained in those three words, that God is love. And so if I venture out and I find myself 
kind of an impassable river or a, a path that just turns into a dead end or a, a rock face that I can't scale, it's too hard to get over, I can always return to the safety and security that God is love. And no matter how perplexing or scary life gets, I can always find my way home to this fire. And so as we venture out again this morning into those dark woods of perplexity, I want to spend just a few moments reflecting and receiving the fact that God is love. That God is love. So maybe just close your eyes and just spend a few moments listening to the crackle of that campfire. And just allowing the reality that the God you worship, the God you choose to follow, his primary characteristic is love. Is love. And no matter what life throws at you in those dark forests, that's never, ever going to change. God's love is a consistent fire in your life. And you need to know this more, that nothing can put that fire out. And nothing can separate you from that fire of God's love. And no matter how dark the forest seems, and no matter how perplexing the paths of life get, that home fire, that home camp of God's love will always be there for you. You can always, always return to it. So Father God, as we venture out again into this forest of complexity this morning, I want us all to know the warmth of your love. To feel the warmth of your love this morning. To feel the warmth and the, and the guiding light of your love in our lives. Maybe in your heart this morning, maybe just stoke that fire of God's love. A place you can always, always return to. Today we're going to look at this habit which Brian McLaren calls no. And this isn't about God saying no. This is about you and I experiencing maybe a cul-de-sac in our lives. We think life is going one way, we think things are turning out one way, and suddenly we experience this kind of dead end this dead end, this perplexity where things just don't turn out the way we think they do. And Brian McLaren describes this as a practicing refusal, surviving through disillusionment. Practicing a habit of no is a strange concept, isn't it? Why do we need to practice this? Well, the, the reason is because we, life does hand us continually perplexing situations. It presents us with dead ends or obstacles we can't seem to get past and what do we do in those situations how do we survive spiritually how do we move forward life I'm sure this morning has handed you many things that you weren't expecting and you've maybe wrestled with this this conundrum of I thought life would go this way I thought this is how it would turn out but actually in reality I'm experiencing this I'm experiencing this this wrestling this pain this perplexity this dead end. In the film Forrest Gump, the main character, Forrest, it's an extraordinary film. If you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. It's aged really well, actually. 
But Forrest lives an extraordinary life. He's a, he's a guy with certain learning difficulties, but he still lives a very full and adventurous life. And he finds himself in the Vietnam War, and he's part of a platoon under platoon leader Lieutenant Dan Taylor. And Dan Taylor is a man of honour and a military man, and he's deter- he's, he believes his whole life is to serve in the military. And they find themselves fighting in the jungles in Vietnam, and they're ambushed. And many of the platoon get injured or killed. And Forrest repeatedly runs backwards, back again and again into the forest, into the jungle, to rescue members of his platoon. And his final act is to carry Lieutenant Dan out of the jungle. He's been badly, badly injured. And he, he runs in and rescues Lieutenant Dan. And as they both lie recovering in hospital one night, Lieutenant Dan confronts Forrest about what he did. Let's watch the video. Did you hear what I said? You cheated me. I had a destiny. I was supposed to die in the field with honor. That was my destiny. And you cheated me out of it. Do you understand what I'm saying, Gump? This wasn't supposed to happen. Not to me. I had a destiny. I was Lieutenant Dan Taylor. You still Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan used there to Forrest, you cheated me. I was supposed to die in the field with honour. That was my destiny. This wasn't supposed to happen. Not to me. And we face many moments in our lives where things don't go the way we think they should go. And we find ourselves in the complexity and perplexity of life saying, this wasn't, this wasn't supposed to happen to me. This wasn't supposed to be how things turn out. And it may be something that's, that's happened to us. It may be something that we've seen happen to other people. But our heart cries, no, this isn't how it's supposed to be. This isn't how things are supposed to turn out. This isn't how people are supposed to be treated. This isn't what is supposed to happen. And so we find our spirits kind of in this practice of refusal, rising up against the injustice, the perplexity the complexity, the suffering, the pain. No, this isn't supposed to happen. And we can take that no to God. But for many of us, we may have been conditioned to think, well, that's the wrong thing to do. That's the wrong thing to do. It can seem like we, are, we, can't, we can't be fully emotional towards God. We can't express how we feel towards God because that might be somehow blasphemous 
It might make God angry or disappointed. But in reality, we worship a God who can receive the full weight of our emotion. God is love. And God can receive the full weight of our no, the full weight of our emotion. God is willing to receive all our humanity and the cries of injustice that rise up within us. Jesus described this in a parable he told about a persistent widow. The widow had no resources, no money, no husband, but she had a, had a no, she had a cause. And she went before a judge. The judge was unjust, the judge was corrupt. But she was determined to bring her no to the judge and see justice done, see things put right. But the judge was corrupt. He wasn't interested in justice. And in Luke's Gospel in chapter 18, Jesus tells the story. The woman had nothing, no money, nothing to influence the judge. She couldn't bribe the judge to get justice. All she had was her cry of no, her cry of injustice. And that was the thing she kept bringing continually before the unjust judge. And in the end, the unjust judge caves under the weight of the woman's no. He caves under the weight of the woman's cry for justice. And when Jesus told this parable, he knew that his Jewish hearers believed they should limit their prayers to God to just three times a day in case God got worn out or annoyed by them keep coming back with their prayers. So they decided to limit their prayers to God just to three times a day. But Jesus tells this story to teach precisely the reverse. The word he uses in this parable mean to beat God black and blue with your prayers. To bang on the door of God's house for justice with that cry of no, this isn't how things should be. The unjust judge is beaten down by the woman's persistence. He's corrupt and unjust, but he relents. So Jesus inverts this traditional view that bringing our, the full emotion of who we are, the full weight of our cares and perplexities, he inverts the notion that by doing that, somehow we're going to upset God. Somehow we're going to wear God out. Somehow he's going to be overcome with the weight of our human emotion. Jesus gives us permission to beat God black and blue with our prayer, with our cry of no. You see, guys, we worship a God who is able to throw everything or handle everything we throw at him. Everything we throw at him. He knows us in all our humanity. But we've often been conditioned in church to suppress the parts of us which we think are somehow don't fit with that that's kind of religious normal, that Christian niceness. But the Psalms are full of the cries of people's humanity. There's a phrase called holy discontent. And it's when something within us rubs up against the fact the world shouldn't be this way. This situation shouldn't be this way. This person shouldn't be in this situation. These people shouldn't be suffering that way. A holy discontent, a holy no, rises up within us. The world shouldn't be this way. The brokenness that we experience, the perplexity, the pain, the suffering, the injustice... This is not how things are supposed to be. And maybe in our own lives, our behaviours, our emotions, our relationships, again, 
this isn't how things are supposed to be. And sometimes you and I can take a positive action to break, make a change, to bring a resolution, to sort something out. But sometimes in the perplexity of life, all we have is our no. All we have is that cry within us that says, this isn't the way it should be. And it's that no that we can bring to God. God isn't going to be worn out by the weight of our emotion, by the sense of injustice that we feel. And in bringing our no to God, we're not rejecting God, we're not somehow weakening our faith. We're being real and fully human with what we feel. We know that God is love, but we're not denying our questions or our feelings in a situation. In Psalm 77, we read the anguished cries of a man called Asaph. This is what he writes. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out on tiring hands and would not be comforted. Asaph is in the midst of perplexity, in the midst of pain, in the midst of allowing his no to rise before God. And notice he won't be comforted. He won't receive just some simple religious platitude just to sort of wipe away of what he feels. He's taking that no to God. He's refusing to accept the status quo. He's bringing that holy discontent to God in the watches of the night. He goes on to say, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favour again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Asaph isn't denying or rejecting God, but he's not denying his questions or his perplexity either. Has God rejected him? Has God's unfailing love finally failed? Has God's promise turned out to be just a bit of lie? Has God forgotten how to be merciful and compassionate towards him? You see, no isn't a rejection of God, but it's a refusal to kind of let God off the hook. It's taking that pain and that humanity and that feeling to God. But at the same time, it's also a refusal to give up hope in God. That God's key character is a God of love. And it's this wrestling in the in-between that many Christians aren't very good at. We just suppress it and we bury it and we hide it and we become split people. <coughs> we become people who come to church on a Sunday and then at home on our own we wrestle with the perplexity of the lives that we find ourselves in. Job reaches a, a similar tragic moment in his story. Job, if you've read the book in your Bibles, is a man who suffers immense pain and loss. He's a godly man. He's a man who worships, who treats his family and his household well. Yet he suffers immense personal pain and loss, and he refuses to accept that he's brought it upon himself through what he's done. He refuses to accept that God is angry at him. His wife helpfully offers him a simple way out of his pain. Curse God and die, she says. 
curse God and die. Just put an end to this rage and this refusal to accept your fate. But Job refuses to do that. He continues to bring his no, his questions before God. He refuses the false comfort of his friends and he refuses the false escape offered to him by his wife. He chooses to live in his refusal. He chooses to continually bring his no to God after chapter after chapter after chapter. And many of you who've read the Bible in a year will find that Job is a tough read early on if you read it all the way through. Job vents his fury and his friends come around and offer false platitudes and false reasons for why things may be the way they are. Maybe Job has hidden sin or has done something to offend God really deeply so God is punishing him. And then Elihu, a young man who's full with arrogant pride, sort of a self-assured zealot, he comes and he explodes, it says in the, in the scriptures, like bottled up wine because he's full of words and he too is convinced he knows why. Job is in the situation he's in. And he blusters on for six long chapters telling Job why he's in the situation he's in. And as he does, a storm is approaching. And Elihu describes the storm and describes how God is in the storm. But God is not in the storm in the way that Elihu thinks he is. And finally, it's God's voice that comes out of the storm and speaks to Job. And in the film Forrest Gump, it's a voice in the storm that finally comes out and speaks to Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan's reunited with Forrest on a shrimping boat, and they decide to start a shrimping company in honour of a lost friend. And in the midst of the storm, the hurricane, Lieutenant Dan brings his no to God. Let's watch the clip. No shrimp. Where the hell's this God of yours? It's funny Lieutenant Dan said that, because right then, God showed up. Today, destroying nearly everything in its path. And as in other towns up and down the coast, BioLabatry's entire shrimping industry has fallen victim to Carmen and has been left in utter ruin. Speaking with local officials, this reporter has learned, in fact, only one shrimping boat actually survived the storm. Louise! Louise, that's forced. After that, shrimping was easy. Since people still needed them shrimps for shrimp cocktails and barbecues and all, we were the only boat left standing. Bubba got shrimps, what they got. We got a whole bunch of boats, 12 jennies, 
Big old warehouse. We even have hats that say Bubba Gump on them. Bubba Gump Shrimp. It's a household name. Hold on there, boy. Are you telling me you're the owner of the Bubba Gump Shrimp Corporation? Yes, sir. We got more money than David Crockett. <laughs> boy, I heard some whoppers in my time, but that tops them all. <laughs> we were sitting next to a millionaire. <laughs> well, I thought it was a very lovely story. And you tell it so well with such enthusiasm. Would you like to see what Lieutenant Dan looks like? Well, yes, I would. That's him right there. Hmm. And let me tell you something about Lieutenant Dan. Forrest. I never thanked you for saving my life. He never actually said so, but I think he made his peace with God. So Job comes to the end of his no in the midst of a storm from which God speaks out and questions him, asks him things that he could never possibly know the answers to. And he replies in, in resignation, surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. And Lieutenant Dan has his Job-like moment in the midst of a storm and finally comes to peace with God and with his new situation. And we could say this is where the habit of no ends, but actually sometimes we still have to wrestle. Sometimes we come through no to a place of, of silence and that silence might be painful, but it might be kind of golden in the sense that we've come to the end of ourselves, the end of our wrestlings. Or we might still find ourselves today in the midst of that no, in the midst of that wrestling, in that perplexity. Richard Raw, in his book, Job and the Mystery of Suffering, he puts it this way. He says, an awful lot of religion is an excuse for not facing our fears, our self and our doubts. True religion is not a denial of doubt, but a transformation of it. And often, to be honest, a temporary deepening of our doubt and darkness to get us there. God walks with us into our fears to feel them, to own them, to let them teach us. During that time, we're often in darkness and cannot hold ourselves. It even feels like a loss of faith. It is then that we slowly learn to let someone else hold us. And we come out enlarged and more hopeful. As long as I have lived, I can't explain the chemistry of this transformation but those who have gone through it know it to be true. An awful lot of religion is an excuse for not facing our fears. And so it might seem strange this morning to suggest to you that you practice a habit of no. But what a habit like that does, it helps you become, as I said earlier on, 
kind of joined again as a person with your emotions and your feelings and your doubts and the struggle with perplexity and complexity we face in our Christian walk. And often church has done a disservice in, in telling you to compartmentalise those things because they're not godly or they're not Christian. But actually God sees you in the fullness of your humanity and he knows the things that you're wrestling with. And he's well able for you to bring the full weight of your emotions to God. And maybe a Lieutenant Dan moment like that, where you rage at God, is completely suitable for where you find yourself today. Sometimes we need just to hold that pain, just to feel it, and to let let it sort of sit with us and bring it to God. We need to be able to voice our protest, our, our disappointment to God. Sometimes maybe that's too hard. Sometimes writing stuff down in the form of a lament is a helpful thing to do, expressing your thoughts to God on paper, expressing what you refuse to accept, what the no is that you carry. Sometimes we find ourselves trying to claim mastery over things that are just too big for us to claim mastery over. What are you most afraid to lose this morning? What are you demanding an answer for that you feel might make you more empowered as a person? How would it feel to bring those things to the altar of God and release them to him? You may be able to do that. You may still find yourself in the wrestlings of the no, and that's okay. That's okay. That's the whole point as you practice bringing your whole self to God. Eventually, no will exhaust itself. And maybe you'll find yourself coming into our next season, our next habit, which is the question of why. Often no's turn into why's. Why, God, is this situation allowed to happen? And that's what we'll be looking at in a bit more depth next week. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.